1: Shot Williams. 2004, actually, on Echo. He uh, moved to Chicago from Detroit in 1958 and worked with everybody. Had a lot of interesting songs, too, and for whatever reason, none of them made the national charts. But I thought his take on Marsha Griffith's The Electric Boogie, Juke Joint Slide, was a terrific cut, so there you have it. I'm Raleigh James, and it is WGN Radio, and you're about to meet a very remarkable and impressive woman, and that is Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Welcome. Appreciate you joining us.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me tonight.
1: Yes, we we have talked. In fact, I think the first time was about 2003. And uh, you continue to be impressive. I read what you write online, and I'm always saying, yes, yes. And so uh, (laughs) part of that is I agree, of course. But uh, I thought it was really mandatory we talk now because we're not getting the information we need on COVID-19.
2: This is one of the reasons that we feel we have to write about it. I am really tired of media, present company accepted, that all the, the putting up of these raw numbers about COVID-19 without any explanation, any context to the numbers, is scaring people needlessly we want common sense when we look at this epidemic
1: you know you say scaring people needlessly i agree i also think it's scaring people intentionally which is the scary part i do uh, afternoon news on a different radio station in, in actually in arizona and i i have to do the tally for the county every day it's part of the deal and every time i do it i include that this includes unconfirmed results and deaths any reasonable person would attribute to an underlying condition. And it is stunning to me the numbers that the county gives out. And then you find out that, oh, well, some of them weren't tested. Oh, well, yeah, 119 of them were in a nursing home. They were over 80. And uh, w- we joke that somebody could be killed in a motorcycle accident in our county. And there would, there would be declared COVID-19 if there was any way to even say they coughed in the last 24 hours.
2: And, of course, your motorcycle uh, example actually happened in Florida. Oh, no. It was documented. And this is the sort of thing that's happening. And what was really bothersome out here in California when a young man who was 19 died of COVID, and they said, see, there's a kid who died of COVID. Well, they put that in the paper. Then, of course, several days later, it had to quietly disappear because he actually died of something else. And there, this this flurry to have to say everything is COVID, I think we can give the American people a little more credit that if you just give some facts, tell them to use common sense, common sense, they will stay safe. And they will move ahead. They will move forward and realize that just like all the other pandemics we've had, which are a distant memory to most people, they probably don't even remember when they happened because they weren't all over the news, it will pass. And. The first, the SARS virus, that's the name of what COVID, the virus that causes the disease, COVID-19. It's called SARS-CoV-2. And the reason it's COVID-2 is the first SARS virus was back in 2003. It lasted about nine months and then just went away. Some virologists think that could happen to this one. Others think it's a little bit, different in its anatomy, so it might last longer. But the bottom line is we are going to have these viruses pop up and until China gets rid of its wet markets and who knows what else they do over there because most of these epidemics have come straight out of China. Uh, Hong Kong flu, Asian flu, uh, first SARS, uh, MERS, Came out from the Middle East and then the second SARS came from China that there's kind of something going on over there with these wet markets and and viruses passing from animals to humans this is going to keep happening so we have to learn how to live in a world of constantly evolving viruses
1: yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about the fact that we don't, uh, we don't look at the origin. And, of course, putting my conspiratorial hat on, uh, it's not lost on me that the Wuhan lab nearby does a lot of work trying to come up with antivirals and vaccines. And so yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it. It's been postulated that uh, perhaps a blood-borne pathogen was crossed with uh, an aerosol and got out. What's the likelihood that happened?
2: It could have happened, and I'm sure we've looked at many of the same things. I certainly can't say that that's how it happened. The initial story was that it came from a pangolin, which is a very bizarre-looking little animal, and it could have. The wet market is in the same town. Wuhan is a very big city, very bustling city, lots of folks, and... um, Whether it came from the pangolin or came from the lab, and and it's it's hard for me to imagine that it was deliberate out of the lab that China would kill off Wuhan, because it wasn't like it was some small little town that they would sacrifice, that whether it was a mistake, the fact is it happened, this is going on, and it apparently had been around since October 30th, thereabouts, from what they can trace and China didn't tell us. Right. And there you go.
1: Right. Now, would it be, and I agree with you, by the way, this was, I I don't for a moment think that this could have been intentional. Accidental? Well, maybe. But would it be important to the discussion to know the origin of this to try and find something that might combat it?
2: Oh, absolutely. And certainly over time, China has been more open. By January, they did put out the genetic code, which was a big help. That's why early on people could try to start working on a vaccine or figure out what kind of treatments we could have. And it's very important because what we have to look at, and one of the things, this is what I hated so much about this becoming political rather than medical, is we have to look at treatments there's a lot of things that our bodies get and i hate to say with everything isn't a disease conditions that we get that there isn't a cure but we have treatments and some treatments bring a person almost back to normal some bring them to normal and knowing the specific genetic code of a virus helps us work on a reliable treatment and that's what we're looking at now. We don't know if the vaccine's going to work. One, we don't know if everyone will take a vaccine. Everyone doesn't take a flu vaccine. Um, and then the flu vaccine is only 45% effective. And the kind of virus that the SARS-CoV-2 is, it's it's closer in the same family, let's say, they're called RNA viruses, as the HIV is, and we've never come up with a vaccine for HIV. So we don't know if we're going to have a vaccine, so we have to look at the whole picture and look at how we move forward, how we stay safe, and how we do this with common sense. And certainly common sense doesn't dictate that everyone stay welded in their homes, for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so well, they right. kill themselves.
1: Well, and, and of course, sadly, some of them are. Uh, and, you know, however it got out, I think... The fastest measurement of time was the interval between it getting out and politicians seizing on it for their agenda, whatever that might be. And uh, clearly, that's what we're dealing with now. It's, it's all politicized, and I think that's preventing us from, from getting much information. And so, and this might have been something if this was going to be a couple months that people would be on board, but now you're seeing a lot of people who were afraid. They're getting angry. And I'm not sure where this is going, but you mentioned vaccines, for instance. You probably saw the USA editorial as well, the three doctors who said it needs to be mandated and people need to be forced, and uh, uh, there there are people who are more afraid of that than, than the virus at this point.
2: Absolutely, and the idea, people who are not conspiratorial, never paid attention to politics before, are suddenly waking up and saying, what is this? Where are we? We're in the United States, the home of free speech, the home of the First Amendment, and freedom, and people who want choice in what they do with their lives and their bodies. And suddenly, people are telling us what to do. And the whole thing with wearing masks, whether the science is behind it or not, the idea that... uh, Somebody, in fact, I think it was New Hampshire, just today announced that they were going to make mass mandatory because they were going to have some festival there, so there would be statewide mandatory. And people, uh, and I don't know whether, I, I'm not a psychologist, whether it's something in human nature, whether it's Americans, we don't like to be told what to do. We like to be given facts. And say, looking at these facts, this is what I suggest you do. And if you're smart and use your head, this is what you do. But not be told like little children what to do.
1: Oh yeah, and this is increasingly a problem, and you're you're seeing reports every day of uh, uh, someone uh, attacking someone else over the over the mask issue. And uh, I always look at this and say it's uh, it's indoctrination, not inoculation. And we are we are doing a great job at indoctrinating people. I'm talking to Marilyn Singleton, M.D., J.D., and there are so many places you can see Marilyn's writing. The Heartland Institute is one. The conservative pundit, of course, AAPS, of which you are a former. President president, and is there something I'm missing? Is there another site I should be giving out?
2: Well, at my own, oh, Maryland, yeah. Singleton MarylandSingletonMDJD.com.
1: Perfect, perfect. I'm going there now. I'm Raleigh James, and it's WGN Radio. <laughs> we my back scratcher 1965 on jewel and yeah it was uncharted sam phillips put frank frost together with scotty moore who was one of elvis's musicians who produced back scratcher for wow, shreveport's label jewel which was owned by stan's record shop owner and yeah, stan I man shreveport I I frank frost was one of the greatest delta blues wow, harmonica players me. ever indeed always like my back scratcher i'm raleigh james it is wgn radio you can interrupt us 888-876-5593 raleigh i'm talking to dr singleton marilyn singleton mdjd.com easy enough to get to and i just went there and i should also mention that when you're hearing mdjd you're thinking well maybe maybe you don't know how it is for the rest of us oh really Uh, Marilyn is a native Californian, and she went from southeast San Diego, where despite being told they don't take Negroes at Stanford... Probably weren't too fond of women, either. She graduated and, of course, went to medical school in San Francisco and then did her two years of residency, the anesthesia residency at Beth Israel at Harvard. And uh, she also was assistant professor of anesthesiology and critical care at Johns Hopkins. So no slouch there, but not exactly a privileged background. So this was not an easy road for you, was it?
2: No, but you know what always Works and what saddens me about what I see today is I had great parents and great family values. as corny as that sounds,
1: it's true. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I agree. That's another discussion, but clearly that is the deciding factor more often than, uh, than a lot of major media would like to uh, like to admit. We've got Rose in Milwaukee joining us. Welcome to WGN Radio. Rose.: Yes. You know, mandates need to be gotten rid of for for the mask wearing and and
0: and distancing. And for the past six months, it seems as though the the the, there's no what you may say. These are draconian solutions. What is the controlling factor that a person that our our society is using as a base for determining when to open up society? If you're going to use the virus that virus is, is we've had viruses from way back, and there's doctors that have been studying COVID-19 and SARS and all that way back over two decades ago, and it's going to be, they said it's going to be forever. So why are we shutting down everything for something that is not detrimental? If we're dealing with the deaths, then we should have a comparison of control of deaths from all things so that we can compare to see is it that they're not con- using regular deaths as a basis to heighten the what you might call the SARS or the COVID nineteen test, they they want people to make money off of these vaccines, and then there's laws that said that you can't sue the pharmaceuticals if there, something goes wrong. There's something mighty strange. You don't. How come can we not see what's really happening? What, why it should be open? Why the? Economy should be open. Is that the people make that decision. If they want to wear a mask, if they want to say this, let them make that decision. If they want, people say, well, they they're afraid of dying. Well, people are dying all the time. I hope it doesn't sound cold, but they're going to always be death. You can't stop death. If you want a deathless society, then you might want to go to. Pluto land or something like that. <laughs> all I'm saying is we well, need to get out, get this whole mandate thing rid of and all of that, and let the people make that decision of whether they want to mingle or want to stay at home or whatever. And that's right. putting for for as
2: rose. You sure said it. Yeah. Pardon?
0: And so, why is it? What? Why is? What? Why isn't there any
1: movement to start that going? All right, I think and, there is. Marilyn? Well,
2: and that's right. And, Rose, you're starting it right there by speaking out. People have to speak out. They have to say what they really think and not be afraid to speak. They're trying to make us afraid to speak. But you know but what? I try the to news do makes out like people agree. Funky.
0: But you know what happens? I've been told that a lot of people who are in the medical field, have been told they might lose their jobs and living things and when you got all this pressure coming from another area which I'm not sure this, that's all hearsay but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they are being done because there's one doctor who I happened to hear the other night who was fired from her job because she was not going to keep quiet and she was talking just like respiratory. Any uh, known doctor knows that you can't breathe in your own stuff and expect to make uh, build up antibodies in your body. If you're going to uh, keep yourself from breathing in what's necessary to build up your antibodies in your body,
2: well, what I like to say is in. Even if you look at the science, some of it is not settled. I think in medicine science is never settled. Things are changing all the time. You know, it took them 200 years after they discovered that lemons helped stop scurvy because it gave you vitamin C. It took 200 years for the medical establishment to accept that. It took years and years to accept that hand-washing was uh, good for stopping infection. So science is always changing. But what we always have to come back to is common sense, that you do what's right for you. And most people who aren't on drugs choose to do the right thing when, and what's right for their family, what's right for their situation. And the idea of this super lockdown of people who have no reason to be locked down, children who need to get out and go to school, especially children in the inner city. Do you know that inner city kids, 40% of them aren't even participating in this remote learning? So we're talking the kids who need the education the most are getting it the least. The repercussions of this are so scary to me.
1: I agree. I agree, Rose. Thank you for calling. I hope you'll do thank it again. Thank you. Well, have a blessed day. You too. Uh, yes, it it is. Uh and it is the inner city disproportionately but it's also a lot of rural areas across the country and the the infrastructure with broadband you know I say if there's any silver lining maybe this will heighten what we really need to do in this country but the idea that across the board students can adapt to online learning uh, technology alone prohibits it and then you also have a situation where depending upon the child you're going to need an adult supervision to get that child to comply and you may not have that so uh, th- this this distance learning while it might be great for some is certainly not the answer for all.
2: Absolutely, and the thing that that's so irritating to so many of us, including the American Academy of, of Pediatrics, is that we have to change what we're doing with the kids for each situation, and one county might have a lot of. Uh, COVID cases, another county might have zero. So the county that has zero, let the kids go back to school. As it stands now, about 50% of kids will be going back to school physically. And that's 50% that aren't. And that's a scary thought that these children will not be able to communicate and hang out with other kids, even if it's at a distance. They need to see other people. They need to have some interaction with the teacher. And the the sad thing is, again, with the overplaying, teachers are relatively young. They have a median age of 41 and most of the teachers are under 60. So if there's an older teacher, let them be the ones that do the online and the computer learning, have the younger ones be in class, social distance, they can be at the head of the class and have the students in their seats, have the teachers move from room to room so you don't have herds of children roaming the halls. There are so many things that can be done to make it so kids can go back to school safely, meaning their, children, their parents can go back to work safely, and people can start to feel like human beings again.
1: You know, I think when they first last spring started this, yeah, you know, you're going to stay home and you're not going to go to school. Uh, most people envisioned this being for a, ver- a fairly brief period of time, and now it's really completely open-ended. And viruses are are hardy little things, as as you know, technically not living, but you you understand that argument. Uh, but it they also mutate uh, to a great degree. And the idea that we're going to come up with a magic bullet and everything's going to be all right, I don't see that happening in any reasonable timetable. I, I, I can't imagine that we're not going to have to adjust what we're doing now because this has become open-ended.
2: What always, always got to us was this idea of the famous moving of the goalpost. Remember when this began, The reason we had the lockdown, which is no modeling has ever really proven that it works, by the way, Mm. um, was to so-called flatten the curve, excuse me, to make it so hospitals would not be overwhelmed. Now, there's a handful of hospitals that did have a lot of admissions, but certainly out here in California, we were never overwhelmed. And, in fact, they laid off nurses. So, okay. Okay. The curve was flattened then it's like oh well we have another reason to stay locked down and so it's just continued and continued and that's why I think people like your caller suddenly people woke up and realized what is this this isn't real that somebody is almost they're playing a game with our lives
1: well, it is. And uh, when, when you look at the fact that there, there's no reason to believe, uh, with this course of action, if we continue it, that there will be any magic time when it's okay to come out again, uh, there, there's a lot of people who are going to have to uh, go against what they've been saying all along, or will be locked up years from now. And it doesn't work. Well, I
2: think you hit the nail on the head there. This is a problem. Once the various governors, because they've all been different, and it looked, you know, the Fed said, okay, each governor, which seems quite reasonable because all the states are different, you do what you need to do for your state. Now, once a governor has gone down this road, they get themselves locked into a corner, and then they have to double down because they'd have to come up and say, oh, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I wrecked our economy for nothing. And who's going to admit that? We can't even get Governor Cuomo to admit that it was a foolish thing to do to put COVID-positive patients back in a nursing home. He has yet to admit that. Just raise his hand and say it was wrong
1: oh yeah and you're you're so right, and of course it's it's not going to happen, and particularly in an election year, it's not going to happen and what What it seems like is that most of these politicians who have been so vocal are pinning their hopes on the vaccine. The vaccine's what's going to do it, and you probably saw this too, where Putin came out and said, "Oh, we have one. my daughter's already taken it. we're all fine uh, <laughs> you know that uh, that that was I laughed at that it gave me gave me a good laugh, but sadly. I'm not sure it's 100% removed from what they're going to try to do to the American public. Well, Dr.
2: Ezekiel Emanuel, uh, one of the architects Mm -hmm. of the Affordable Care Act, that was his uh, prescription was we stay in lockdown mode until there's a vaccine. Right. Well, that could be never given that it's an RNA virus. It's not the kind of virus measles is. It's not the kind of virus smallpox is. And so it's not that easy. And President Trump has put a lot of money into <sighs> these, what, there's about six vaccines. There's actually 138 that were in the making, and six have emerged as being something that might be workable. And so he's put a lot of money into it, trying to make it work, but there's still no guarantee that that's gonna work. So we have to have plan B, which really ought to be plan A, which is teach everybody the real facts, and realize that we didn't do this for influenza kids die more from influenza yet nobody ever stops school and which people kind of can't wrap their head around that like yeah what do we do for flu season we go on about our business and yes it's sad when someone gets sick and die 7480 people a day die and they die in the united states and they die of something and yes This COVID thing—it's dramatic. It makes for good news. It makes for good election fodder. It lets a politician say, "Well, if I'd been the one at the top, I would have done something." Mm -hmm. And I think, "What? Get your can of Lysol out and just spray the country and (laughs) make the virus go away?
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen." exactly and what you're saying about uh, about the numbers is the part that just blows me away because the average person doesn't doesn't realize how many people die from the flu each year every year even in light years or how many people die from other causes so the numbers when they're isolated and you're saying that 4000 people died today that seems enormous but it's not put into any context whatsoever so it's it's very good at frightening people but it's not significant medically now one of the things about this virus that uh, is obviously being played up is that in the small percentage of people this is just a horror show uh, in terms of the blood clotting and the uh, cytokine storms and and everything else but statistically isn't that less than one percent of the cases
2: oh way less Uh, most people that get this virus yes they get sick. It's it's not pleasant, but they don't go in the ICU. They don't get put on the ventilator. They don't get the cytokine storm and all the other manifestations of a severe viral illness. And mind you, this isn't specific to COVID. These this this is a manifestation of an overreactive immunological reaction to a virus. So it's not something that was just invented with COVID. This has happened. It's like this disease that the kids are getting, this uh, multi-system and inflammatory response that this has happened before. And there's just gradations of it. And one of the things that just really bothers me that we really have to hit home on is that the people who are getting really sick the one thing that almost all of them have is obesity or diabetes, and so they're starting to work on that and say, what is it about fat cells? What is it about the glucose metabolism that somehow is making this virus worse? There's so many things yet to be learned about the virus and will continue to be learned, so what somebody says today may not be true tomorrow, and we have to have an open mind about that. We have to have an open mind about what drugs work and look around the world, look at other countries, see what they're doing, and be willing to try things. And we just don't seem to be quite... Is willing to do that is uh, some of the
1: other countries, right? As as we should be, and that's again where politics gets into it. And I think if we if we aren't open about that, and that goes back to choice too. The the amount of states that are, are banning doctors from uh, uh, writing uh, writing quinine prescriptions and, and things of, of this nature is uh, just just astonishing. We'll pick it up there. We'll get to Doc from Missouri who wants to chime in. I'm talking to Marilyn Singleton, and it is a great site. I've been reading it while I've been talking, Marilyn. Singleton, com. I'm Raleigh James, and it's WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, going to forego a bumper for now, because we only have about five minutes left, and I'm talking with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. It's MarilynSingletonMDJD.com. It's a fascinating website. I, I love the bit about your father uh, being paid in tamales and one time a dog when he was <laughs> when he was at Tuskegee. That's a great story. And your granddad graduating from Ohio State Medical School in 1905. That's quite an accomplishment. So, uh, just terrific. You uh, obviously come from a long line of people who succeed in spite of it all. So, we'll pick it up with Doc in Missouri who wants to join in on the conversation. Welcome to WGN Radio. Doc.
0: Hi, Raleigh. Uh, Dr. Singleton. Uh, You know, I consume a lot of media, including a lot of talk radio, and a lot of times I remember what I've heard, not necessarily remember where I've heard it. But a couple of months ago, I heard that in reviewing old satellite photos, they had pictures of just caravans of ambulances removing dead bodies from hospitals in China. This goes back to October. So my my question would be, right now the highest priority is treating those infected, coming up with treatments, vaccine, trying to promote social distancing. But doctor, in the future, do you anticipate, what do you think can be done and will be done in a collective effort by countries to further investigate this and punish China?
2: And it's, That's just a wonderful question, and interestingly, I think this is where politics comes in. Certainly, President Trump has been very vocal about blaming China, but then others say, oh, that's not true, it's all your fault, and and we shouldn't be bickering over the electoral process what we should be looking at is if a country allows this to happen yes they should be uh, open to scorn from the rest of the world the rest of the world has lost a lot of its populace because back in October China didn't say something and I I don't know I'm certainly not an international uh, you know, expert, but perhaps China has learned a little lesson from this. And the United States has learned a lesson because China making so many of our pharmaceuticals and making the substrates for a lot of the drugs that are even made in the United States, we still have to get the substrate from China. This is a wake up call. You can't depend on somebody else, and certainly not on a society that doesn't always tell the truth.
1: Absolutely, all right, doc. Thank you for calling thank you appreciate it yeah it's uh it 's frightening to see how reliant we are on China with regard to their track record of uh, how forthcoming they are they are not and so so here we sit. And we're going into the fall, and it doesn't appear that things are, in fact, getting better in terms of how anybody is handling this. We've got an election coming up. You know as well as I do that one side is going to push for government health care above all. And you're already already hearing that, well, if it was government health care, this wouldn't be happening. I shudder at even the concept.
2: Well, what's so silly about that, if that were true, then there wouldn't be any cases in Canada. There wouldn't have been any cases in the U.K. There wouldn't have been any cases in France. Get my drift. Of course. Everybody got the virus. It doesn't care if you have universal health care. And, again, if you look, go to Worldometer dot com and they have graphs and you can see the graphs of one country against another country united states comes about right in the middle we have some above some below some are third world countries some are first world countries and there's so many confounders of what Makes one country do well, do poorly, the homogeneity of the population, and this is where people never want to say this, but we are such a diverse population here in the United States. It's very hard to get a handle on a lot of things and say, oh, it's because of this or because of that, because we have so many different kind of folks that live here. In contrast to New Zealand or Singapore.
1: Absolutely. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this for many months, if not years to come, and I hope that you will join us again, Dr. Singleton.
2: Well, I would love to come back.
1: Yeah, it's terrific. Uh, I uh, I uh, applaud everything you write, as I say, and part of it's because I agree with it, but also just uh, just good writing and good research, Maryland Singleton, com. I'll look forward to our next conversation.
2: Okay, thank you. Have a wonderful evening.
1: You too.